0: You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. As I've said on this show many times before, most of us don't get very good sex education. And unfortunately, that goes for a lot of our doctors and healthcare providers too. In fact, on average, medical students are only getting around 10 hours of sex ed across their four years of schooling. Extensive training in sexual health and sexual medicine is something that usually only occurs later on if you go into certain specialties, particularly urology or gynecology. And that's why sexual health issues and problems are often referred out to these specialists. And that's precisely why I've hosted a lot of urologists on this program over the years. They've received more sexual health training, and they're often on the front lines dealing with these issues every day. So for today's show, we're going to pick a urologist's brain about common sexual problems and how to solve them. Among other things, we're going to chat about premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, painful sex, and difficulty reaching orgasm. I am joined once again by Dr. Fenwa Milhouse, a board-certified, fellowship-trained urologist. Dr. Milhouse practices in Chicago, Illinois, and she treats a wide range of adults with sexual difficulties and sexual health concerns. She currently sits on the board of the Chicago Urological Society and is widely known in the media as your favorite urologist. Dr. Milhouse is the star of the TLC Network's Doctor Down Below. This is going to be another fascinating and important conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. This podcast is all about helping you to optimize your intimate life. But one of the keys to achieving that is to optimize your overall health first with a healthy diet. However, that's something a lot of us struggle with in our busy lives. And that's why Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals are the perfect solution. They make eating better every day easy. No matter your schedule, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are over 35 different options each week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. Plus, there are over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help make weekly meal planning even more delicious. Factor is less expensive than takeout, they have easy options for every meal of the day, and everything is 100% ready to heat and eat to save you time. It's also flexible to fit your schedule. You can choose 6 to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash sexandpsych50 and use code sexandpsych50 to get 50% off. That's code sexandpsych50 at factormeals.com slash sexandpsych50 to get 50% off. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit KinseyInstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting sex science. Okay, Dr. Milhouse, let's get some sex tips from a urologist. So before we dive in, let me first ask, what kinds of sexual issues or difficulties do you see most often as a urologist? So tell us a little bit about the range of things you see in your practice. So
1: I'm a board certified urologist, and also fellowship trained in female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgery. Um, That means I do the gamut of urology, but I also have extra specialty in like the part of urology that mostly pertains to females or women. And first thing I want to say is that most people assume urologists are only for men, and that is not true. And certainly in urology, we have mastered male sexual dysfunction. Uh, So I want to talk about the most common sexual dysfunction in men, but I also want to talk about the most common sexual dysfunction in women because in more recent times, urologists have been on the forefront of treating female sexual dysfunction, which has been largely ignored and neglected. So male sexual dysfunction, most common, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation or coming too fast, and low libido. Those are the the big three, okay? In vulva owners or female sexual dysfunction, or the most common ones, low libido, pain with intercourse, uh, which could be caused by a number of things. So that requires a deep dive in and of itself and and anorgasmia or difficulty or lack of reaching orgasm. So those are the big three. There are others, but for the sake of this podcast, I think highlighting those three are super important. The biggest thing is that I think men know for the most part, they can go someplace and get help, but women don't realize that they too can go someplace for this and get help.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's... A really interesting point, because in general, women are more likely to seek out healthcare than men are. I'm not talking about sexual health issues, but just in general, if there's a health problem, women are more likely to go to the doctor than men are. But something I've seen in my own research is that when people have a sexual health issue, men are more likely than women to go see a provider. Now, that might just be because the ease of access to things like Viagra and so forth, you know, makes it a little easier in some ways treating certain male sexual difficulties because there's this pill you can prescribe. We don't have the equivalent female Viagra for women. But yeah, it's it's an interesting gender difference in terms of care seeking at a general level versus specifically at the sexual health level.
1: That is a whole show right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let you know that's a whole if you ever want to do a show on just that, that's a whole show because it's partly what you said like, you know, the options for men are just are well known and out there, where are the options for women, well, we don't know, you know, that they exist, that they haven't even existed that long. One, two, it's our cultural expectations. Yep. We just started realizing that like women sexual dysfunction is a thing that we should probably pay attention to, you know, that we should care about. And when I say we, I mean uh, men and and women in society trying to tell a woman patient like, Hey, did you know that this is important? They're like, I just figured this was normal. Like I just figured sex was painful and that's just kind of how it was. And so that expectation has been there. And then, you know, there's just bias and uh, ignorance in medicine. So the people who have, Women who have tried to get help, it's not uncommon for them to have poor experiences with providers or physicians who probably don't know how to help them, but kind of say, well, this is norm- normalize it or kind of de- trivialize it. So, anyway, that's a whole other podcast. When it comes to men's penis, if something's wrong with it, it the littlest little pimple on it, or the first time they can't get it up, they are coming to see the doctor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I was going to make that point too, that, you know, when it comes to the penis, men place so much value and emphasis on it. And it's a big part of, you know, how they might see themselves as a man or it might be a part of their sense of masculinity. And so if there's a threat to the penis, that can be a threat to the self more broadly. And so, yeah, that certainly is part of the care seeking there as well when it comes to male sexual health. Now, when someone experiences a sexual difficulty, there are a lot of different providers they might see. They might go to their primary care doc. They might see a sex therapist or a psychologist, or they might see a urologist. So what might be a sign that you need to see a urologist for a sexual difficulty as opposed to another kind of doctor or specialist?
1: So I think that you can see all three of these specialists (laughs) and they can be a part of your team. It's not unusual for me to absolutely recommend my erectile dysfunction patient to make sure they see their primary doctor because erectile dysfunction is a window into their heart and make sure your heart is okay and that you're being screened for diabetes and high blood pressure, and high cholesterol, and this and that and the other, it's losing weight, see a nutritionist. It's not unusual for me to have that same patient see a sex therapist because maybe they're having now performance anxiety issues and self-image issues because they've dealt with erectile dysfunction for this long or or whatever. You see what I'm saying? It's an effect, it's affecting their arousal. So it's also okay and I want to very much normalize this thought of like this multidisciplinary approach, even when it comes to a quality of life condition like sex. Okay. I talk about sex therapy a lot and how it can do wonders for so many different types of sexual dysfunction conditions. But to your answer to your question, I think it's easy to remember to see a urologist when your complaint isn't getting better. Okay? So you might start with your primary care doctor, which is perfectly reasonable, right? That's the gatekeeper for a lot of individuals. And they may say, okay, try this, let me put you on this pill, let me do this. And if you try that for some time and it's not working or you're not satisfied, then I think it's okay in time to tell your primary doctor, hey, can I, I'd like to see a specialist for this. Can you refer me to a urologist? Okay. Same with a sex therapist. If you start with a sex therapist and they're working with you and your sex therapist uh, may say, hey, while, you know, doing the mental work, I think it might be good for you to get an actual medical assessment. And here's a urologist that I would recommend.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate what you said about how medicine often works best when it's part of a team component because everybody's bringing in something from their own specialty because, you know, sexual health issues and physical health issues more broadly, these are all biopsychosocial, you know, it's not just one thing that's contributing to it. And so when you got more people coming at it from more angles, you have more potential for a solution that works.
1: I love the way you said that. That's exactly correct. It is a change in the way patients think, the average patient thinks. They're like, well, what can that person do for me? I'm like, they're pulling things out of the subconscious. That may absolutely be affecting how you are in your intimate relationship or how you think about sex or why your brain isn't in tune with what's going on with your body, why you can't achieve an orgasm, why you aren't getting aroused, why you're not the desire is lacking. So many aspects of our sexual
0: wellness. Yeah. And unfortunately, many of the patients just want a pill so they don't understand why do I need to see a doctor and a nutritionist and a sex therapist? But, you know, there, there's a reason for it. So let's talk about some sex tips. And we'll start with a couple of tips for guys. So one of men's most common sexual complaints, which you mentioned, is that they don't last long enough in bed. And some of these guys might meet clinical standards for premature ejaculation, but others might last a long time, but they just don't feel like they're lasting long enough. So what's your advice to guys who want to delay orgasm and increase their sexual stamina?
1: So you essentially think about orgasm as like the top of the roller coaster, okay? And so you want to like increase the duration as you're climbing up the hill, okay? You want the hill to be long instead of short. And so you want to increase the threshold that it takes for you to get to that climax. And so ways you can do that is as you, because you kind of can tell when your body's getting closer and closer to the hill. And so before you get to that top, You can just stop okay you can stop and kind of redirect your mind off the sexual stimulating feeling or thought you can actually try to just squeeze your member you know there's a term called edging where individuals particularly men will practice not getting all the way to orgasm routinely getting right to the edge and then backing off and getting to the edge and backing off. And the repeatedness of doing this can allow that individual to be able to go longer and increase that hill. The other thing that you can try to do is simply masturbate before partnered activity. So masturbating allows you to experience climax, have that refractory. And then typically when you go again, It takes more to get you off again, okay? And so having masturbating near the time of partnered intercourse can do that or just potentially masturbating a little bit more often in general can increase your threshold that it takes for you to get to climax. These are behavioral things we're talking about. One thing it's important to when we see somebody who has premature ejaculation is I look at their medication. There are potentially medications that may be changing ejaculatory function. The other thing that doesn't require prescription is uh, like numbing sprays. So there's like these over-the-counter numbing sprays that you can spray on your penis to essentially decrease the sensation so that it takes more overall again to get you over to Climax. So those are usually the tips that we do. Sometimes people ask about like pelvic floor physical therapy, can that help? I think controlling your pelvic floor may be able to help prolong ejaculation a little bit. Um, and a pelvic floor specialist, I would do that in the confines of a pelvic floor specialist, I would not do this on your own, might be a good place to start.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot that you can potentially do here. And The best way to go is probably to try a couple of different things, because if one doesn't work for you, there's a good chance that something else might work. So try a few different things, see what works for you.
1: The other thing is spend more time foreplay before penetration, too. Yep. That also can
0: help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one of the other big issues for guys that you mentioned is erectile difficulties. Now, I think it's important to mention that the penis doesn't always do what you want it to do. Sometimes you want to have sex, but you can't get hard. And that can happen for a variety of reasons, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have ED. This is something I talk about in my textbook, The Psychology of Human Sexuality, is the difference between a sexual difficulty and a sexual disappointment. We all have sexual disappointments. They're the temporary things that pop up, but they're going to go away. The difficulties are the persistent issues. So my question for you about erectile difficulties is when do erectile issues cross the line into being erectile dysfunction so you know when should you go out and maybe seek help for that and what tips can you share for preventing ed because i think there's a lot that you can do to reduce the risk of erectile difficulties emerging in your own life
1: yeah so you know the one-off episode oh i drank too much and i couldn't get it up okay don't drink so much next time you know or i just really wasn't into it because i was like really sad and i you know just hadn't gotten enough sleep like you you know the, the one-off chances don't freak out and it's extremely common for individuals young and old to experience an episode of like not getting an erection when you want to get an erection okay uh, so it's important to like understand that it's okay but certainly yes when it becomes persistent when it's repetitive if you notice the quality of your erections going down when you're, it's just you and yourself. If you notice decline in morning or spontaneous erections along with persistent issues with erectile dysfunction in the bedroom, these are all signs that you should get seen and start to act on this. Okay. The, sorry, your second question was like preventing it, right? Yep. Okay. So erectile dysfunction is about blood flow okay there is psychogenic ed which is basically where your psychosocial processes are like inhibiting your brain talking to your body to get the blood flow started okay for instance you um don't trust your partner and you're trying to get an erection and you think your partner's cheating on you and you have trouble getting it up like that's just an example okay or you're super stressed out at work, with life, and you can't get it up, you know, and if you just take and focus on the psychological issues going on, you're fine. Those patients typically have normal morning erections or night, nocturnal erections and may find that it's easy to masturbate and they have no issues, but just in the bedroom. What I'm talking about is organic erectile dysfunction, which is by far majority Of what erectile dysfunction is, and that's about blood flow. And um, it's a window into the heart. Erectile dysfunction is an independent risk factor for heart disease. I really want to make that uh, statement again. Erectile dysfunction is an independent risk factor for heart disease. So, all things being fine and healthy or whatever, you have erectile dysfunction, you have an increased risk of having a heart issue in the future. So it's really important to take it seriously. And so what is good for your heart is good for your dick. What's good for your heart (laughs) is good for your penis. A colleague, Dr. Nelson Bennett, told me this, and I love it, and I stole it from him. And so heart healthiness, okay? Maintaining a healthy weight, maintaining a healthy diet, exercising regularly, five times a day, 30 minutes at a time, something like that.
0: You mean five times a week? Not not five times a day. (laughs) Five times a day,
1: sorry. Who's doing that? Five times a week, yes, 30 minutes a day. Don't smoke, please. If you want to get erectile dysfunction, continue smoking. Continue using that tobacco. Continue vaping. Continue that. And I'm not talking about marijuana. That's not necessarily included. I'm talking about, you know, old-fashioned cigarettes and cigars and that. Smoking is going to kill your your penis. It's just a matter of time. Okay. I'm just letting you know. Okay. (laughs) Don't smoke. Drugs can interfere. Long-term illicit drug use can interfere with erections. Diabetes. Diabetes is a very common cause of erectile dysfunction. So much so that I screen every man who comes in to see me for erectile dysfunction. I don't care how healthy you are for diabetes. Okay. Obviously, a few of us are born with juvenile diabetes vast majority of us have acquired type 2 diabetes and a lot of it is based on lifestyle. Okay. And so healthy lifestyle goes a very long way in helping to prolong the longevity of erections in a man's life.
0: Yep. Thanks for sharing all of that. So many important things to take into account and lifestyle is really a big factor when it comes to penile health. So let's talk about some sex tips for women. And we'll go with the most common ones that you mentioned. So I know you talked about painful sex being a particularly common difficulty and it can have a lot of potential causes. So what are some of the most common reasons for painful sex and potential ways of addressing them?
1: So one of the most common reasons is vaginal dryness. A dry vagina does not like sex. Okay, sex needs to be wet, it needs to be slippery. And so vaginal dryness can occur in any age, but is most common around menopause and thereafter. So postmenopausal women are more likely to experience vaginal dryness and more likely to report increased pain with intercourse. So that's that's an, a cause. Another cause is pelvic floor muscle issues, pelvic floor tightness, something called vaginismus. Our pelvic floor muscles are muscles that envelope our genitalia, our urethra, and our anus. Okay, this the pelvic floor muscles are uh, in men and women. But in women, they, they wrap around the vagina, and the outside of the vulva, um, as well as, the, like I said, the anus as well. And so they are really important. I like to say for the three P's, piss, poop, and pleasure. Three, sorry. Piss, poop, and pleasure. Okay. And for pleasure, uh, the pelvic floor muscles are supposed to relax for penetration to happen and be comfortable. But in some individuals, their pelvic floor muscles cannot relax. Their pelvic floor muscles don't relax. And in some individuals, the pelvic floor muscles tighten with penetration and so if you i tell patients like you know touch your bicep just touch it like relax your uh, arm and touch it feels like nothing now contract your bicep and like start touching it that does not feel good that little poke does not now feel good imagine what's happening in the vagina with the pelvic floor muscles not relaxing or contracting and then you have this penis penetrating you okay that is a very common Another common cause is something called vulvodynia. Vulvodynia is a generic term for pain on the vulva. The vulva is the outside that we see. The vagina is actually the canal. We call the vagina everything, but really it's the vulva that we see, okay? So the lips, the inner and outer lips, the opening, that all is the vulva. And so there are conditions that can affect the vulva and make putting anything through that painful, okay? If you have a dermatologic condition like lichen sclerosis, which is almost like a severe eczema type thing on your vulva. Well, man, can you imagine trying to push something through that, you know, so that could be a cause. There's something called vestibial dyna, which is where you can have hormone mediated where the hormones, the local hormone levels in the vestibule, that's a part of the vulva that wraps the vaginal opening is disturbed in a way that makes any kind of touch painful and it could be a penis could be a finger it could be a speculum could be a tampon those patients everything going through that hurt so that could be a cause you know if you just have like a herpetic lesions on your vulva that could obviously be a cause so there's a whole host of vulvodynia mediated pain with intercourse deep penetration causes could be endometriosis It could be uh, some other inflammatory condition happening deep in the pelvis. It could be even something like uh, painful bladder syndrome that affects the bladder, but that with penetration, because the bladder sits above the vagina, if you will, that could stimulate pain and that could be a cause of pain with sex. So there's a host of potential causes.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like when it comes to treating sexual pain, you really need to do a thorough assessment to figure out exactly what the cause is because there's so many different things that can potentially be contributing there. So as you mentioned, one other really common difficulty for women is having problems reaching orgasm. Some women might find that it takes a really long time to have an orgasm, or they orgasm really inconsistently, or they just don't orgasm at all. So do you have any tips or advice for women who are dealing with orgasmic issues?
1: Yes. So one thing is to ask yourself if you've ever had an orgasm. And if you have to, if you're not sure, then it's chances are you haven't. And the other thing is to look at your vulva, to take a mirror and look and know your anatomy. Um, if you're not sure where you're looking at, you can Google. I'm telling the doctors telling you to Google, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, shocker, and then take a look. For instance, like I said, 86% of women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm. So you're not orgasming because your clitoris isn't getting stimulated. And why isn't your clitoris getting stimulated? Maybe it's because the way you're having intercourse is not conducive to that. Or it could be because your clitoris is covered abnormally by your hood, something called clitoral phimosis, which is... You know how, uh, so men who aren't uncircumcised, they have the foreskin and some of those uncircumcised penis, you can't retract the foreskin back and see the glands and we call that phimosis. And that's actually very well known in the medical community, but the clitoris is the same. Clitoris has a hood over it and if the clitoris hood can't be retracted back. And the clitoris is covered well then that could make it harder to stimulate it and difficult to reach orgasm and that is something we can actually treat pretty quite easily in medicine the other thing is there could be psychosocial issues you know like are there things getting in the way of you really being in the moment to experience orgasm and to kind of take it all in and that's where combining sex therapists because that's their zone of genius is very helpful to kind of uncover those things Um, but i think women have to start experiencing pleasure on their own. I talk about this a lot on my channel. I'm such a proponent of like masturbating, women masturbating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't talk about it. A lot more of us do it than than one would admit. Uh, some of us need to do it more if nothing else but to, to discover our own bodies, to be able to discover. Cuz I'm telling you, especially if you're having sex with a penis, the gap, the orgasm gap is greatest with a penis and a vagina, okay? <laughs> You know, and so you need to know what works for you to help that penis along, okay? And studies have shown that, at least with women, masturbation tends to be complementary. It tends to actually increase sexual satisfaction. It tends to increase the ability to orgasm, okay, and make orgasms more enjoyable. Studies have shown that for women. So look in your vagina, masturbate. Those are my two biggest tips.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's just... Great advice in general for everyone is to know your own body. You know, mm-hmm. you got to look at it, you got to know it, and you got to figure out what works for you.
1: Yeah. I said look at your vagina. I meant look at yeah. your vulva. I'm really stickler on that, but look at your vulva. <laughs> look <laughs> at your vulva. <bulb. laughs> you can't really look at your vagina. Look at your vulva. Yeah.
0: So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Dr. Melhouse. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. I would love to do a part two, uh, but we got to go. But the listeners can uh, find me on Instagram. That's where I'm the most chatty and talkative at Dr. Milhouse. That's Milhouse with one L, -L M-I-L-H-O-U-S-E, Dr. D-R-M-I-L-H-O-U-S-E. If you just search your favorite urologist, literally, you'll find all my stuff. So I go by your favorite urologist. Because um, I'm America's favorite urologist, and I'm on Instagram, like I said, with that tag. Also, I'm on TikTok with at your favorite urologist. I have a practice called I'm actually at work right now. Down there urology. So I have a YouTube channel that's really informative. Every week we have videos, um, and it's called at down there urology. And I was on TLC <laughs> <laughs> at a pilot episode called Doctor Down Below that you can uh, stream on many different platforms. And I hope to return to cable network in the future.
0: Well, thanks for being our favorite urologist. And thanks again for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of this show, you can leave me a podcast voicemail at speakpipe.com slash sexandpsychology. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.